Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. I'm Jake Adnip, back here with Sean Dwyer. Let's go. Yeah, we uh, got plenty more NBA action that's been happening. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball's actually gotten underway after being postponed basically an entire month. Now there's really good stuff happening uh, all around sports. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights just clinched a spot in the Stanley Cup final. You're looking at the Capitals and the Lightning still battling out there in the East. And we're going to be able to, um, you know, really see how this is all going to play out over the next couple weeks and see who's going to be our champions. But today, Sean, uh, we're going to stick with mostly just a little bit of NBA talk because there's still a lot, a lot going on. So why don't you go and tell the people what we want to do? Yeah, well, we're just going to kind of give our opinions on um, what's happened so far with the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, um, what we think is going to happen the rest of the way out. And then from there, we're going to talk about a singular franchise, um, the Detroit Pistons, you know, kind of our hometown. But not really what we're going after today is going to be good. We're going to talk kind of uh, talk about what's wrong with the Pistons. And then lastly, we're going to dive into who should be the rookie of the year. You know, all the finalists uh, were announced for the rookie of the year. And so we're going to talk about who we think should be the rookie of the year. And the same with the MVP talk. All right. So just to get started off with, what we're going to end up doing is uh, starting off with the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, which is, you know, Boston actually doing some damage against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, you know, they won game one and game two. And then they lost yesterday in game three. Well, you know, they've been basically unstoppable at home so far this postseason. Yeah, they have. If you, yeah, if you're playing at TD Garden, it's, you know, they're, it's not even, they're destroying everybody. You know, they beat Cleveland by 15, 16 points. You know, I mean, Cleveland just did the exact same thing to them, you know, in game three when they went back to Cleveland. But I'm telling you, this is scary. For LeBron James and the Cavaliers, I, I'm not sure that they're going to make it out alive. No, I'm not sure they are either, especially with the way Boston's playing at home. Um, they'd go ahead and trade games back and forth if they wanted to, and Boston would win all their home games, and that would end the series right there. If the Cavaliers steal one in Boston, I think that they can win the series, but they're going to have to prove they can play in Boston. Well, nobody's been able to prove that they can play in Boston so far. So, except for Boston, of course. Yes. So that's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, they got their next game in Cleveland here in a couple of days, and this is when everything really starts to slow down. They give the teams two and three days between games, um, you know, just kind of really balance everything. So now with a little bit of time, Sean, what do you think, you know, is going to happen here? Uh, game, you know, game four and then going forward for this Eastern Conference Finals. Um, to me, it's just going to be Boston trying to find a way to take this game in game four in Cleveland. Um, if they win this game four in Cleveland, they set up with having – I think the NBA has three games in Cleveland and the last two are in Boston. I think it's 2-2, uh, 1-1-1. Okay, so if it's that way, um, to me, Boston just has to win game four and they win the series. Um, they have two more games at home if they win – game four in Cleveland. So they got to really focus up and get this game four and not get steamrolled by LeBron coming out again. I definitely agree. I, I do think that Boston, 
is going to end up taking the series. Now, every other time I've said this and on our podcast here, I'm just saying that to just blow it. Um, yeah. Overall, with you know New Orleans and Toronto and all the and Philadelphia, you know all these teams went on to just blow it. So I'm going to yeah, go ahead and say I do think Boston's going to do it though. I think that it's setting up nice for Boston so far with having, you know, possibly you know, game three. There's four games possibly left. Two of them are at home. Um, they only got to win two more. So if they can get one in Cleveland, I think they can set themselves up to take this game in six, the series in six or seven. Well, I definitely would be preferable as to going seven games, you know, when, before you're going to have to go play one of these high powered Western Conference teams. That we're exactly. about to get into. So we're going to take just a second break here, and we'll be back with the Western Conference. All righty then. Moving on to the Western Conference, Sean. Obviously, we got this high-powered matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. You know, Golden State's up two-one. I know they play again on Monday. So, I mean, what have you seen so far? And do you think this James Harden, Chris Paul thing we talked about earlier on has had its effect or has it run its course? I think it has um, in this series. I think the first two series, they kind of came out and dominated like they did in the regular season. But once you've gotten into playing the Warriors, I think stuff's gone a little bit sideways. You know, watching the game tonight that they just played where they lost in game three, they couldn't get anything to fall. And I think at one point in the first half, you know, Houston had 11 missed dunks or layups, and they were down by 10 at halftime. It, it just seemed to be like, you know, the exact same point where Toronto had – Cleveland has Toronto's number. Golden State has Houston's number when it comes to playoff time. And, you know, Cleveland – not Cleveland, I'm sorry. Golden State took that game, one in Houston, and now they have the home court advantage, even though they didn't before. So if they win this next game on Monday in Golden State, they're up 3-1. Of course. Then, now, I, w- I was just going to add, you know, it's it's the thing. I don't think it has to do with them having their number in the playoffs. I just think that Golden State is a better team. Golden State is a better team. Yeah, and this is something that everybody's known for three or four years. They've obviously they've been in the finals. They've been f- fighting with LeBron, like. But I did think with the way that the Rockets are playing, they have a chance. And there's been something weird that's been going on with the Warriors, even before Steph got back in the second round and now even after. They've been, like, just going straight up ice cold for a game or two or even just for a couple quarters. And it, it's when you're playing against the Rockets, who are going to score 140 points, you really can't go cold for any long, long period of time. Yes, but at the same time, you know, Golden State, I think they have in their minds, they can give Houston two games. Um, if they come out and they don't have it, they can give Houston two games for the pressure is really turned on them. If they win this series in six, no one's going to bat an eyelash. So yeah. I think you, Golden State, you know, I think game two, I think they kind of held themselves back. And that's what I, you know, I, I think that's what that happened. I'm going to say it. I don't think that they came out, they realized in the first half, at halftime, it wasn't going to be their night. They kind of pulled off a little bit. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, saving yourself for a long series. If you're not going to make the comeback when you're down by that much, save yourself up and come back for game three ready. I think that's exactly what they did. And they stomped Houston tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, that's been a strategy, it seems like, throughout the NBA for a while now. And it, it makes sense. Seven-game series and these NBA playoffs is a long series. And it's telltale long series of seven games, you know. And uh, like I said, they give these guys a few days between each each game now. So it's definitely it's, – it's elongated even more. So uh, I definitely, you know, think this is going to be a great series. Um, I, I do think the Eastern Conference will actually probably end up being more competitive. But when the Golden State Warriors go back there, um, I don't think we can blame it on James Harden and Chris Paul because they've done everything they had to. I just don't think that their team is as good behind them as the Warriors are behind, say, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Exactly. And, you know, Houston had their had the best record in the NBA or whatever, whatever people want to say. But that was because, you know, Steph Curry missed 30-something games. Um, Clay Thompson missed some time. Draymond missed some time. Kevin Durant missed some time. Warriors had a lot of injuries this year during the regular season. Everybody is healthy now, starting with the New Orleans series with Steph coming back. And I think the Golden State Warriors are primed for a another championship. Well, that's one thing that you have to realize is that these guys weren't always injured over the season. A lot of times they were injured, and then they gave them an extra two, three, four weeks to sit out because they weren't they, they know that they're the best team. They yeah, weren't playing play, yeah, they weren't playing for the one seed. They were playing for everybody to be healthy in the playoffs so we can come and win another Larry O'Brien trophy. Exactly. You they know? weren't worried about weren't worried about getting first place in the regular season when you can get first place in the last the last day of the season. That's all you need to care about, right? Yes. All right now. So uh well, what do you think? Uh what's what's your prediction for the rest of the series, Sean? I got the Warriors in five. Oh, so you think they're going to win the rest of the games, huh? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I think I'm going to take the Warriors, but I think I'll give Houston one more game, like you said. I'll take them in six. All right. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to our uh, postseason awards for these guys. Um, we're going to do Rookie of the Year, MVP, all that good jazz, so we'll be right back. So, Sean, you know, this is the big dispute that always happens at the end of the NBA season. Everybody's still in the playoffs, and there's MVP and the Rookie of the Year. And, you know, some of the candidates are still even in, but they say it's a regular season award, right? We're going to backdate ourselves a little bit. And, uh, you know, they named the finalists for the Rookie of the Year, the MVP, all this good stuff. But, you know, we're, we're going to tell you why we think each one of these guys could win it. Um, kind of make our picks uh, more or less, kind of just make a case for every one of these guys as to why they could be the MVP so or the Rookie of the Year. So I guess we'll start off in the lower tier with the Rookie of the Year, Sean. And, you know, basically it's Donovan Mitchell versus Ben Simmons. I, I mean, who, who do you have? Is Ben Simmons even a rookie? Um, no, I don't think Ben Simmons is a rookie. I think, you know, you have that first year in the NBA, even if you're hurt and not playing. Uh, you're still in film every day. You're still with the team every day, learning how to be an NBA player. And I think that's part of what being the rookie of the year is, is learning how to be an NBA player and contributing on the floor. And I think Ben Simmons, you know, his window passed. And so that brings it down to Donovan Mitchell in most people's minds. And, well, I'm not most people. Um, I like Jason Tatum for rookie of the year, the third guy that no one's talking about. And the reason that I like him is – I know it's a regular season award. His team is still in the playoffs. Um, he's had to step up, and he had to contribute pretty much from 
day two because you know Gordon <laughs> Hayward got hurt. Got yeah. hurt. Yes, day two. Because um, Gordon Hayward got hurt day one, and so they needed someone to play. And you know he's the best in that number two overall draft pick. That's Jason Tatum. Well, here you go, rookie. It's time to put up. And, you know he didn't have the he didn't have the best number. You know, Donovan Mitchell scored more points a game, had more assists. You know. Tatum put up 14 points a game, five rebounds, and 1.6 assists. Compared to Donovan, 20 and a half, 3.7 assists, 3.7 rebounds. So, so Donovan Mitchell, you know, he averaged more points, but I think Jason Tatum wins for just based off of he put up exactly what he was expected to. Um, he was a top five pick, and he was expected to start pretty much from the beginning of the season. Donovan Mitchell wasn't a top five pick, you know. He had a great year and everything, but I'm not sure that people in Utah expected what they got out of Donovan Mitchell. And I think Jason Tatum also, just I me mean, personally, I think he's a better player. Okay, now I guess the way that I look at it for this type of uh, Rookie of the Year award is really, I guess, who made the biggest impact? You know, who every game do I think was the, one of the reasons why their team was winning? And I think Donovan Mitchell did that the entire season. I mean, Ben Simmons obviously is a big role, a big, big part of that 76ers team. But when he's not around, you know, they had him that whole – he wasn't around all that season. It's, it's, it's not that different. You know, there's still Joel Embiid, J.J. Redick. Like, he, he can't shoot jump shots. So No, he can't. And it, it's not, not worth the 10 assists or 13 assists he's going to have in there. But I don't think that he makes the big difference on Philadelphia. I think, you know, Joel Embiid was still that difference maker. You know, when he went out with his eyeball and his nose and all this stuff, they got progressively worse, you know. But when Ben Simmons was there, it didn't make – I guess I I would almost think about it like a baseball stat. His wins above replacement probably isn't very high comparatively to these other two guys. No, and I I completely agree with that. Now, my big – my big thing with Tatum versus Mitchell is Mitchell wasn't expected to go out and do this. And this is the thing is that I think he actually carried Utah through the entire season. They don't have another bona fide star out there. No, they don't. Their, their, their point guard is Ricky Rubio. You know, that's their, that's, their, that's their heart and soul of the team out there. And now Donovan Mitchell comes in and makes the biggest difference out of any rookie out of anywhere, you know, Boston had that number three pick out of a stroke of luck with the lottery and how they made their trades the year before. And they ended up getting Jason Tatum. They didn't need Jason Tatum to come in and start making 24 points a game because they had Kyrie, they had Gordon Hayward. So the expectations to me weren't for him to start every day. He came in and he did a great job. You know, Boston did good, but Kyrie was still around a lot of the season. And I'm telling you, if you go with difference maker wise, I just think you watch in the playoffs, you watch in the regular season. I think Donovan Mitchell is just a bigger difference maker in the entire game than Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons, actually. So, I mean, I I think Donovan Mitchell will get the rookie of the year award, even though he wasn't that top five pick, you know, I think that makes it even a little sweeter is he's not, expected as a one, two, or three guy to make the biggest waves. Instead, he came in, pushed Utah to a, you know, playoff victory. You know, like, why not? I think, I think that's definitely more credible than just 
kind of being on a good team already. Yeah, no, I understand that. That does make sense. Of course. Now, with this uh, MVP talk, they got three finalists name out, and it's, you know, of course, LeBron James, James Harden, and Anthony Davis. So who do you think has the best case to win the MVP? Um, to me, it pains me to say it, but I think it's LeBron James. Now, the reason I think it's LeBron James is because he's been the constant player on Cleveland all year. You know, that the trade deadline, they pretty much changed up their entire team. Um, they made a lot of changes, but the thing that stayed the same was LeBron James. And statistically, he had one of his better years of his career. Yeah, at year 15. At year 15. And so you can't really – I mean, James Harden, yeah, he had a great year. Anthony Davis might have been – he was definitely the best player on that New Orleans team, even with a healthy boogie. But James Harden, you know, a case can be made that as great as his season was, he needed Chris Paul. He needed somebody else. LeBron James doesn't need anybody else on his team to be great. Well, I'll go ahead and counterpoint that then too and make a case for Anthony Davis in that point. Is You think about the team that they had coming into the season. They had Drew Holiday, Boogie, you know, Anthony Davis, they had some, they had some promise, you know, going forward. And then Boogie tears his Achilles, which is like the worst thing ever. They only had him on a one-year deal. This was basically a tryout to see if he wanted to stay with New Orleans and keep the Twin Towers going. So they were going to try and take him to the playoffs and try to, you know, get his deal a little bit and save him for the next few years. But now he tore his Achilles. What I'm telling yeah. you is, is all that did was make Anthony Davis better. Exactly. We're, yeah. we're, we're talking about I think DeMarcus Cousins tore his Achilles right, at the, right in the middle of December, if I'm not mistaken. About then, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was like right around December 10th-ish. But um, either way, Anthony Davis turns around and by the first of the year, he dropped, what was it, four or five 40-point, 20-game, uh, 20-rebound 20, 20 games in like a two-week span. Yeah, and then my thing was I completely agree with Anthony Davis winning it because he played them into the playoffs. Pretty much single-handedly. Exactly. And like, like you said, oh, LeBron doesn't need nobody else. He changed his whole team. I think if anything, it was shown I – th- I think it was shown Cleveland and LeBron look at it as, I don't need anybody else. We're just going to try and get people who work with me. The way that it worked with Anthony Davis was, oh, I don't need anybody else because I'm the there's only no one. Here. Exactly. There's nowhere, there's nowhere to go, no one to move, and I, I don't have power of attorney like LeBron James. Yeah, and no. And basically, when he takes his stride and he scores 50 points multiple times, this guy, honestly, New Orleans wouldn't even crack 10th place in the Eastern Conference or the Western, Con- in the Western Conference without uh, Anthony Davis. No, they wouldn't. Um, Anthony Davis definitely means a lot to New Orleans, but at the same time, take LeBron off of this Cleveland team with no Kyrie, and you've got who? Kevin Love. And J.R. Smith. and Jordan Clarkson. Tristan Thompson. Might as well get Zadrunas Hilgowskis back. I mean, honestly, he did probably play a better center than Tristan Thompson right now. Well, I know that LeBron used to love Zadrunas, but... Who didn't? Well, I, he was one tall dude. Him and Anderson Bergeau, he had the worm hair. 
Exactly. That was always a lot of fun. That's what LeBron used to terrorize our Detroit Pistons, which is going to be our next little segment. We'll be back here with basically our dismantling of the Detroit organization and what we think about it. So we'll see you in just a, we'll see you in just a second. So welcome back from our short break, and I know that this is going to be Sean's favorite segment of this week's Just Saying show. And I mean, I can't pose it very differently. You know, everything that's been going on for you guys who don't know, um, you know, they gave. Stan Van Gundy, power of GM and head coach a couple of years back, and he's been making moves. He was integral in the Blake Griffin trade and all this stuff. And I know we talked way back when if basically if we, we said if Stan Van Gundy doesn't win a playoff series, not just make the playoffs, but win a playoff series, he'd get canned. And he didn't even make the playoffs. So we were basically right because they canned Stan Van Gundy. But now the Pistons are without a head coach. They're without a GM. So – what the hell's going on in Detroit, Sean? Oh, it's a mess. Um, if you're going, let me just talk, start with talking about our owner, Mr. Tom Gores. He basically invited Stan Van Gundy out to his L.A. mansion. Our, non, our non-Detroit-based owner invited him out to have Los Angeles to have meetings. And apparently these meetings lasted three weeks and culminated in Stan Van Gundy getting fired. And, you know, with all this happening, it pissed some zero time to find a replacement. But then again, you know, who do you bring, whoever you bring in is really kind of like, all right, you can do nothing for two years just based off, you know, the contract situation. We'll get into more of that in a second, but, you know, the Pistons are just, they're just not in a good place right now. Now, they're, fur- I- they're further away from contending than they were last year yeah and I want to ask you is you know no matter who they bring in like you said I know now we got Blake Griffin and they're trying to compete with Andre Drummond and you know do that one-two punch kind of like they try to do down New Orleans and you know with Reddy Jackson at the point and it's these draft choices from the last couple picks have been terrible comparatively to the guys that have gone around or after them you know and it's not that they, quote-unquote, underperformed for our, their rookie year or their first couple of years. It's just everybody in Detroit has always thought what could have been after the whole Darko Milicic debacle, you know? Well, what really, I'm just, yeah. really just going to throw out three names. I'm going to throw out three names of guys that the Pistons have passed on within the last, you know, five years. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Devin Booker, and Donovan Mitchell. And these are all was, within a couple of picks, not like, oh, they passed on him and then they got picked up like non, non-lottery non or 15 picks later. No, we took Stanley Johnson over Devin Booker, Greg Monroe over Giannis Antetokounmpo, and, of course, this year with Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell. But that was just one of the other reasons, I think, that led to Stan getting fired. But we're just talking about if we're going to give a state of the Pistons right now, um, this year, they were ninth in the NBA in total payroll, and they missed the playoffs at like $119, million. Next year, they still have $113 million committed to salaries. They only dropped $7 million off the payroll. And so 
I think it's between three players that all drops out. So you have the same roster that didn't make the playoffs this year going into next year. Now, do you think – well, I, I, I definitely think that the Pistons won't do another player or another coach-GM combo. They're going to no, split definitely. this back up because that, that was an experiment that didn't really work. But no matter who comes in, you know, it's going to be a project in order to get these guys to, to work. But, you know, it depends. You, you have to make the decision now. And this is where I think the biggest question for the Pistons goes is do you bring in an experienced coach, somebody like Dwayne Casey or, so, you know, somebody along those lines or I know Fisdale's gone now, but something like that. Do you bring in an experienced coach and try to do something with what you have? And since you're paying these guys so much money and you just moved to a new stadium, if you're trying to just make the playoffs and make some waves and just keep the revenue up, if that's what you're trying to do, you know, you could do that, you know, but in reality, uh, Detroit hasn't had anything going on in about eight years and they have, they've missed the playoffs. I think every year since I, it's what, 2009 or 2010. Oh, uh, well they made oh, it. No, they I made think... it. Yeah. They made it two years ago. They made it, but they, but they got swept up the first exactly, round. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, besides that is it hasn't been well. So, and we know how the NBA goes. And to be honest with you, I think it might be time for the Pistons to go with a young, inexperienced, player-driven coach who will be open to basically tanking for a couple of years and getting those high draft picks and hoping that when Blake Griffin's contract goes up in, what is it, 2020, 2021 this season, that season? Uh, 2021, 2022. Okay, 20. He is owed 38.0. Exactly. So imagine you tank for the next couple of years. You still fill the seats with your superstars and you load up in the next couple drafts. That could be a real possibility of being able to reload accordingly. And I think, I I mean, what do you think? I have a completely different mindset. Um, I agree with the fact that they can bring in a young coach. Just because to me, you know, you can bring him in and let him take his lumps because this team is not going to be any good. Um, let him figure out how to coach in the NBA because, you know, by the time that this all starts to work itself out, you might have yourself a pretty good coach just based off experience-wise. You won't have to pay him as much, you know. Part of the rebuild is keeping down costs. So, and, you know, that extends everywhere. But to me, you know, the Pistons, are, they're just a mess. Their salary cap and their contracts are – it's all a mess, you know. Blake Griffin committed through twenty one, twenty two, with incremental increases up to about thirty nine million a year. Andre Drummond um, through twenty twenty one, Reggie Jackson through nineteen twenty. You know, to me, you're not going to be able to start looking at this team and getting a new roster together until the twenty twenty one season because of expiring contracts. And then you'll still have Blake Griffin for two years. Andre Drummond, he has a player option for that year, but I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to turn down a player option for $29 million. Well, of course, nobody's going to turn down a $29 million player option. But this was my point is, like you said, they're not going to be able to build a new team until after the 2021 season. Exactly. But, they're but, not going to be able to focus on that. So what you, but, but you and I both know 
that the team that they currently have isn't going to be able to win an NBA championship. They're, no. they're not going to be able to even get to the four or five seed. And you know, they're and, not going to. Yeah. Oh, but, so why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take the next two, three years, play out with what you have? But I'm not telling them to say, hey, purposely lose games. But you, you're not. You're not competing for an eight seed. No. no, you want the fourth or fifth pick in the draft. You know, you want to have a shot to make that number one in the lottery. I know they just rebalanced everything, but like. You know what I mean? It has to be, it has to be in your head, because Detroit has hasn't done it in twenty years. Exactly, and then you go going back to the Blake Griffin deal. You know, trading away that first pick in a loaded draft this year that would have been twelfth overall, and you're looking at guys that are possibly getting mock drafted into that twelfth slot of, you know, Colin Sexton, Trey Young. You know, Miles Bridges and Michael Bridges, those are all guys that would be impact players that would make a big difference on next year's team that we're missing out on now because we decided to get Blake Griffin instead. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to have a good special coming up here on Just Saying Sports. Not too long uh, here in the future, but is there anything else you think the Pistons can do to right the ship before it's really – Sunk? Yeah. Draft the next Michael Jordan with the 42nd pick overall. That sounds like a pretty big stretch. Well, that that would save them. That's the only thing that can save them. (laughs) Well, as you can tell, guys, uh, Sean doesn't have very much hope for the Pistons. I I don't see very very good things in the imminent future, but, you know, it's – it's really a new direction and that's what I think they should do is, you know, dive, dive completely into a new ice cold pool of water, you yeah. know, get, give themselves a shock treatment and see how it works out. And then, you know, the Pistons also real quick, my last finishing point, if they get an offer for any one of these players, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Roger Jackson, um, if they get a trade offer for any one of these guys, they should run to the commissioner's office and approve it. No matter what's offered to them, um, I think at this point you go full rebuild. If someone's willing to take the contract, you dump the contract, you move on. You know, this isn't personal. This is just competing in the NBA. I definitely agree. Now, we are going to be pretty busy here over the next couple weeks with the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, uh, baseball's in full swing. I'd also like to give a shout-out to Sean over here actually just accepted a new job down in Indianapolis. So it's going to be a busy few weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a great opportunity for myself, but I am still 100% committed to this podcast and talking sports with you every week, buddy. Of course. Now, we're going to make sure we bring you, obviously, everything that's coming up. There's the NBA draft. There's the playoffs, the Stanley Cup, you know, once – once summer gets into full swing, we'll even be talking football here soon. So uh, yeah. it's definitely got to be a good summer ahead. And, and of course, we always uh, want to say thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. Please like, share, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about us. I know that we're the talk of the town at this point. So you just keep that up and keep the word of mouth going. If you like us, please uh, let us know if you have any 
you know, ideas for us. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So once again, congratulations, Sean. Thank you. And uh, thank you to the listeners. So I'm Jake Atnip. I'm Sean DeWire. We'll see you again next week.